Drinks with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. Guys, I uh, I have pimped it on Instagram this week. Uh-huh. I have touted it on Twitter. And I'm going to do it one more time because it's that damn good. I finished Daryl Gregory's uh, Spoonbenders this week. And it is fucking fantastic. I could not have asked for a better pandemic summer reading book. It was outstanding. It tells the story of three generations of, quote, psychics who, uh, uh, you know, are, are, are just trying to get through their lives. It is funny. It is thrilling. It is endearing. Uh, it is it is all about family. And I, I got to tell you, I, I loved the hell out of this book. So is it uh, is it a book book or a comic book? It is a book book. And it is also available on Audible. What I and, like is uh, that you couldn't make it 30 seconds into this podcast without dropping an F-bomb. This is why you can't guest star on other podcasts, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> but uh, Spoonbenders is awesome. Written by Daryl Gregory, friend of the podcast. Uh, I, I Just the book is outstanding. I loved it. Right. So, and i got to tell you, it's one of those books... It's very visual in his story. Uh, Daryl Gregory is very visual in his storytelling. And the whole time I'm like, why hasn't somebody picked this up for a Netflix movie? Because uh, it's that damn good. So I'll really- throw a book recommendation out since you have. Because I just finished uh, Andy Weir's The Egg and Other Stories. Uh-huh. Now, Andy Weir, when we, we had the him podcast. on. Yeah, we had him <laughs> on way back before The Martian was a movie. And on his last day of working a actual job. And The Martian was such an incredible book. I did not care for his follow-up book, Artemis. Mm -hmm. I haven't read it yet. So I did not care for that. But The Egg and Other Stories are a whole bunch of his short stories put together. And some of those are just absolutely incredible. So highly recommend it because he's uh, a huge fan of The Martian. Yeah. I'll I'll check that out. Well, I suck because I haven't read any books lately. Because um, Paul can't read. <laughs> that doesn't. I, I will say. Okay, so you know we're gonna get off on a tangent here. Uh oh. I Look find that I, I'm struggle. I struggle to read novels. Um, in in my recent days, and maybe I just need to force myself to do it. But like, I'm so used to multitasking and short form entertainment that when I start reading a novel, I find myself skipping words, skipping skipping sentences, getting sleepy, and I'm like, I just need to. Read like I used to love reading novels. I used to read like a I, novel every few days. Now I find that I struggle from an attention span standpoint. Well, Paul, with I, all your running, you need an Audible subscription. You know that's what they say, but I, I feel like my mind wanders too much when I'm running to focus on a book. Um, I had this conversation with a friend last night, mm-hmm. and you know she was saying that since the pandemic began, uh, she hasn't been able to focus. You know, that, you know, she already uh, experiences a bit of ADD and uh, it just seems to have been exacerbated and she can't focus on something as narrow as a as a novel right now. And I had the problem earlier on in the pandemic where I I was struggling with some anxiety and I couldn't focus either. And I I, I guess I have finally burned through that, (laughs) Uh, you know, where I'm just sort of resigned to our current circumstance and. Uh, gotten through it, but you know it, it's a struggle. You know, it, it is, is a it real is. struggle. I mean, I could read comics no problem, but you know, uh, 
but comics are, you know, 10 minutes max, right, for a comic book. And we're going to actually talk about one um, that's a little bit more long form uh, that I had no problem with. But for some reason, like, the, when I'm reading a novel, I just find to myself, my mind wanders, I skip words. So, I'm, I, I, you know, I just need to get back into it. Because um, it, it's kind of like, I, I will tell you, it's something that I miss about going to the movies during this current pandemic is one of the things I enjoyed about going to a movie is that I can't multitask. Right. I right. don't pull out my phone. I'm not checking email. I'm not looking at social well, media while watching. But when I'm watching something at home, I am always multitasking. I do feel like, Paul, you and I, you know, I, I, I have a pretty clear idea of what you do at work. Mm-hmm. And I think you do as well. And our jobs train us to be ADD. Yeah. We you have know, to, to multitask, have a, right? Yeah. Well, it's attention deficit all day long. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that's hard to unplug from and co- certainly contributes to uh, my absence of focus sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the reasons why I, I talk about it. I don't ever watch things with subtitles, not because it bothers me reading, but because I can't multitask. Well, yeah, I know it's funny, but that's why. hundred percent attention. <laughs> Yesterday, I actually watched three movies with subtitles, and it was nice because it forced me to watch the program. Right. Um, I watched. Uh, I have Shutter. Um, you know the horror uh, movie uh, Netflix, basically. And oh, they it's, have... it's not the one about mini blinds. No, it's not. It's not Shutters. <laughs> it's Shudder. Um, they have a movie called uh, Sadako versus Kayako. And if you're not familiar with those names, it's basically The Ring versus The Grudge. Um, so if you're familiar with those two franchises, it's kind of like a crossover, like the Freddy versus Jason of those franchises. And I really liked that. And then Netflix has a series net right now called Zhuan, uh, The Origins. And it's, again, it's, it's related to The Grudge, that franchise The Grudge. Um, and it's all, you know, Japanese subtitled. I... I find myself, I while I find the series very good, it is so dark, not visually, but emotionally, I can't really recommend watching it, um, <laughs> in that it is just, it goes to places that you don't normally see entertainment go into, um, you know, in regards to sexual violence and, you know, bodily harm and things like that. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was not expecting this. <laughs> because The Grudge is a PG-13 movie. Um, wow. This is most definitely not a PG-13 series. So, As long as there's no animals being hurt, I'd be fine. Yeah, there's no animals, but there's plenty of human. Plenty yeah, of human uh, harm. Human fine. harm doesn't bother me. Animal <laughs> harm fine. I have yeah. a problem with. Yeah. <laughs> um, humans. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, in, in this context of media and, and looking for things to watch, sometimes, you know, I... I don't want to watch a series, and I've gotten into the habit of watching things on Netflix, um, whether they're like CrossFit videos, because I've been watching a lot of CrossFitters or or things like that. You know, I've always, I mean, clearly, we have a YouTube channel, right? So, I mean, I, you know, theme park entertainment, stuff like that. Do you eat your pint of ice cream while you're uh, watching CrossFit? Sometimes Doritos. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I came across, you know, in my suggested feed, on YouTube, which is funny because I don't know why it would suggest it. There's nothing in my feed that would give it this. Um, I guess it's just my my search history or whatever. Um, I came across a documentary called Batman: The Animated Series, The Heart of Batman, and it was an hour and thirty nine minutes. I'm like, I have never heard of this, and so I watched it, and it is straight up an hour and thirty nine minute documentary about the creation of Batman the Animated Series. Um, it yeah. follows all of the different key talent, like Paul Dini, Bruce Tim, um, Shelley. 
um, Andrea Romano and Shelley. I feel bad remember not remembering, but the the person who did the score, um, you know, and it like follows them and what they were doing when they were you know kind of um, you know recruited to do Batman the animated series, and it shows stuff that I've never seen before. I mean, I've seen some of it, but you know, it shows original character design, some of the original um, you know pilot footage, stuff like that, and uh, while it you know because I've I've been such a fan of that series uh, since it came out. Um, it wasn't much new information, but it was enough new information, and it you know it, they talked to everyone involved, um, and I just thought it was really interesting. I, I highly recommend it, and I you know because of it, I looked um, Warner Brothers Entertainment, and it's just Warner Bros Entertainment on YouTube um, for a while, and I don't know if they're still doing it. They did DC Tuesdays. And they were different documentaries. So they have... And they're all about an hour or an hour and a half long. Um, they have The History of Shazam, The Amazing Story of Superman, a documentary about the Batmobile, the making of Aquaman. Um, this guess, is all on YouTube? This is all on YouTube. All free entertainment on YouTube. That yeah, secret... I've seen Go ahead. I say I've seen a couple of these show up in my feed as recommendations. I haven't watched them because I don't usually watch something that's an hour long when I'm on YouTube, except for like the live streaming from SpaceX and NASA. Like today's when uh, Bob and Doug, the astronauts, return to Earth, and every time I hear their name, I automatically add McKinsey yeah. to their name in Good my day. head. Yeah. Good day. <laughs> yeah, they splash down this morning at eleven. Oh. Or I guess it's. It's 11 Pacific, so it's uh, 1 p.m. my time. Yeah. Yeah, hey, uh, before we transition from uh, things that we're consuming in media that aren't comic books, yeah, uh, I uh, I finally got around to watching Ad Astra this weekend. How is that? I, yeah, it it's one I wanted to watch, but I never saw it. I've heard it's, it's terrible. Terrible. And you know, the thing is, is that it is terrible because of the emotional tone of the movie. It is very melancholy. But the art direction and the the direction itself, in terms of of uh, action and special effects and whatnot, is gorgeous. It reminds me a lot of two thousand one, in that you know there's not a lot of excitement, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, it's just, you know, it's it's almost like it's a surreal movie-going experience. Um, you feel very detached. And the reason why you feel very detached from the movie is because the main character is very detached. Yeah. Uh, Brad, Pitt, Brad Pitt is kind of at this level throughout the entire movie. And that's not compelling drama. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and one of the things I was sort of amazed by is, I mean, the cast is Brad Pitt and Donald Sutherland and... Uh, uh, Tom, um, 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 uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, suddenly drawn a blank on it. He was in the fugitive. The uh, God, what the hell's his name? Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you've got Tommy Lee Jones and Brad Pitt. Uh, you're thinking this is going to be a fantastic movie, right? Uh, anybody could have played Tommy Lee Jones's part because uh. Tommy Lee Jones is kind of at the same level. <laughs> And I know it's sort of an art piece. Um, it was very disappointing. Movie's gorgeous. I mean, I almost think turn the volume down and put on some music and just watch the visuals. There is a, a, a space fight on the surface of the moon that in any other movie would be the most exciting thing you've ever seen. But because 
Brad Pitt's like this. Hey, give me that gun. <laughs> uh, it is. It, it, I, I'm, the, the visuals on the moon are just amazing. Uh, but the, the movie is so damn melancholy. I mean, I wanted to open a vein by the time I was done. Well, yeah, it's you... really sad because I remember liking the trailers, but I have never heard anybody say anything good about it that's actually seen it. You know, it was it was just it it I, I was the thing that amazed me is clearly there was a ton of money spent on this movie. Why in the world did anybody greenlight this? Why in the world didn't somebody say, "Hey, um, can somebody change the pitch of their voice once in the film?" I mean, the most dynamic person on the screen in the entire movie is Donald Sutherland. Well, yeah, and he's he's only in the movie twenty minutes, if that. Hmm. You know, it. Um, I, I I didn't watch it because the trailer kind of reminded me of Interstellar, which it's funny and funny enough. I never saw that one either, and I like Christopher oh, it, Nolan and I like Matthew I, McConaughey. I never saw that. I like I liked Interstellar. Really? So did my wife. It, yeah, for someone who's not a big genre fan, uh, I just hear wife. it's overlong and you know, it, it is lengthy. And I find that with Christopher Nolan films, I, I find that he's. He he gets too heady to the point that something doesn't make sense and it gets a little too uh-huh. long, overlong, um, yeah, you know, and over important. And so I was like, eh, I'm just not in the mood for that. And I've still, you know, even though I still have an interest in watching it, I have not seen it. There's um, definitely something to be said for I'm not in the mood for it. Like lately, it's uh, if I'm getting stressed out, I don't want a cerebral heady, t- you know, TV show or movie. I want something light. I want something that's comfort food. Yeah. Yes. You know, I, I want to, generally speaking, I, I, I kind of want to see something I've already seen before. Like, I got to tell you, therapeutically last week, this is going to sound ridiculous, uh, John Grisham's The Firm with Tom Cruise. <laughs> John Grisham's The Firm. I, I, you know, I, I make fun of that movie, and rightly so, but that was two hours well spent last weekend. Yeah, I mean, you, know? you need that entertain. You you definitely need that type of entertainment. That's what brought me into that doc, that Batman documentary that I was just talking yeah. about. You know, it was just like, it's stuff I know, but you know, it's it, it's interesting while at the same point not really being something I have to think too much about, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I I did see Doctor Sleep this weekend too, and the original or the extended version. Ooh, I, the one that's on HBO Max, which I'm guessing is the original. Actually, I think they have both. So, still, who, who's huh. to say? Yeah, HBO actually does have the extended version available, too. Um, huh. I've heard the extended version that. is very good. I really liked what I watched. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I swear to God, we're going to get onto comic books, folks. <laughs> I, one of the things I, I observed this weekend is, uh, while I admire the art that is 2001 A Space Odyssey... I did not actually enjoy that film. Uh, I, I have watched it several times, and I continue to watch it because I admire the art of it, right? 2010, the sequel, directed by somebody who's not Stanley Kubrick, uh, I love that film. Love that film. And just like, just like that, I admire the art of The Shining by Stanley Kubrick. But I really enjoyed Dr. Sleep. I will say... I really didn't like The Shining um, until recently. Until recent years. I, I, I could not find 
um, an appreciation for the film when I first watched it. One, because growing up, I was a big Stephen King fan. You know, through my, everyone, it, like, through their teens, I feel, was a Stephen King fan um, who grew up, you know, around my time frame. Because I just read, I just read his shit all the time. Like, it, and, you know, like, going through the 90s, we're talking Cell. I think Cell was, the, you know, like, the beginning Ooh. of the end for me. Uh, Cell was terrible. It is, Cell right? is terrible. <laughs> um, and that was like the beginning of the end for Stephen King. But, you know, that was a big time for him in media in general, right? You had mm-hmm. the TV shows, you had the Langoliers, the Tommyknockers, you know, all those TV shows, uh, miniseries and all that. And so I just didn't like The Shining at all. And then I, I saw it, you know, again, about two, three years ago. And, you know, part of my issue with The Shining, and yeah, we'll talk about comics here in a minute. Um, Shelley Duvall. Besides, there's, I mean, honestly, all of it, um, even Jack Nicholson, who, you know, at least when I first saw it, I'm like, he's crazy from the beginning. Like, yeah, from the jump, from the jump. Like, I don't really feel like he was ever, yeah, you know, not crazy. But then you rewatch it and knowing that going in and having those different expectations versus I'm going to see a descent into madness instead of like, I'm basically this, this dude is, you know a powder keg waiting to go and you know someone basically tapped him off the edge that you know seeing that like i i was able to gain a better appreciation for it well i i uh again i admire the art of the shining uh as in terms of entertainment media i'm not entertained by it but dr sleep was very enjoyable and i loved the cast i've never seen the shining you know i i i struggle to recommend it to you same here. Well, I can re- recommend there. There's two other versions, right? There's the the TV miniseries version, and wasn't there another like uh, cable movie version? No, I think it was just the one with um, was it Tim Daly? No, it was no, the other guy, Stephen Weber. Yeah, Stephen yeah, Weber. Stephen Weber and Rebecca I like that one. I did too, the, the... actually. But I would say, if you ever have an interest in seeing Doctor Sleep you should actually see the Stanley Kubrick shining first because it very much it, harkens back. It to is that. a direct sequel to that movie, less a sequel to the book. Yeah. Uh, more a sequel to that film. Mm-hmm. But, so. uh, you know, it's a, it's a hard movie to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The shining, not Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Dr. Sleep is but a lot is more popcorn entertainment. Turn the volume down. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, should we talk about comics now? I think maybe. Well, um, you know, I'm, there, briefly, we're not going to talk about Empire Number Three. I don't know why we're not going to talk about, about Empire Number Three. Maybe because nothing important happened in it. Yeah, um, it's really enjoying Empire. It's more of the same, though. There's nothing new for this issue. But that's not a bad thing. It's just we don't want to waste your time telling you why why we're still enjoying it. Well, right. Except for Paul. Except for me, because I'm bringing it up anyway. Um, Bleeding yeah, cool. Because why? Paul. <laughs> uh, what is today? Today's the second, right? So August 1st, Bleeding Cool said, Empire number three review. Can this issue save Marvel's worst event ever? And the first line of the article is, Empire may be Marvel's worst event of all time. Really? The latest issue, Empire number three, is the best yet, but is it enough to save this event? So, they... Wow. Have they read... The uh, was it fear itself? Fear itself. Or yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I fear it's. I feel. I feel like it's clickbait. It's a clickbait title, but because um, yeah, fear itself was terrible. So was Secret War. No, um, the C- uh, Civil War two and uh-huh. you know, honestly, yeah. pretty much any Marvel event since Infinity has pretty much sucked. But right. yeah, it, it was just like I. I was it, it, the fact that you guys are enjoying it. Like 
Bleeding Cool clearly has some harsh words for Empire. I don't understand that, to be perfectly well, honest. Maybe they read it in a tweet. Somebody tweeted <laughs> it was the worst ever. Fair. Because they can report that as news. Yeah, exactly. Fair. <laughs> well, you know, this week was a bit of a palate cleanser. You know, we've been talking about media and stuff like that. But um, what I what I appreciated about this week is I only bought two comic books this week. And sadly, I only read one. Um, I bought Plunge and I bought Wonder Woman. And the only reason I bought Wonder Woman is because it's new creative team and Michael Janine is on art and I love his art and I just wanted to see his take on Diana. Um, but since we weren't talking about it, I didn't read it yet. Instead, I focused my attention on two books from Image. Um, two similar yet different books. Um, uh, crime dramas. And, uh, you know, the, there's one that I was really, really, really looking forward to when it was first announced. Um, and it's funny because I don't, even though I, I used to follow the creative work of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, um, you know, ever since they signed the deal at Image, I just kind of, not intentionally, but n didn't really keep up with their work. Well, it's easy to do that because, you know, Image doesn't have the Marvel hype machine, right? Yeah. Uh, and so it's easy to for for an Ed Brubaker, you know, Sean Phillips book to come out and you don't notice it. Yeah. Well, remember, the, I think the last thing of theirs I read regularly um, was there was Incognito. Mm -hmm. um, remember, they did like a take on a superhero thing. And I think that was kind of the start of their image partnership. And since then, they've done Criminal, Killer Be Killed. My heroes have always been junkies. I mean, they just... You know, they, they have a regular output of work, um, but because most of it is series, I've not really latched onto it. But, you know, Pulp, which came out this week, was an original graphic novel. And, mm -hmm. you know, 16, I would say, as we're going to talk about it here in a minute, um, the content itself, it's $16. But, you know, I read it digitally and it was only 80 digital pages, including the cover, um, you know, and the the. the the you know the uh, credit pages, so it's probably like a seventy-two page graphic novel for ten bucks or for for sixteen mm -hmm. bucks. So I feel like ten probably would have been more of a sweet spot as far as price. Uh -huh. um, but I'm gonna stop talking because Aaron and Wayne. I'm very curious to hear what you thought of Pulp. I loved this book from beginning to end. I loved the art direction of it. The there is a lot that happens in the past and a lot that's happening in the characters present. Uh, it's set in the 1930s. It, you know, pre-World uh, pre War II, but certainly uh, uh, Nazi Germany and, and fascism, the stuff that's going on in Europe is certainly a thing. But the main character's past is him being a, an outlaw in the West. And so it's this really interesting dichotomy between, you know, being an outlaw on the frontier, you know, with a six gun shooter, right, uh, versus the noir uh, elements of, you know, 1930 city living. Um, I was fascinated with the visual storytelling as well as the narrative. I feel like uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. It, you know, are have have entered into uh, a terrific artistic marriage, uh, and they really understand what what each other is going for. Uh, I love that it would be really easy to mix up some of the characters. And so Sean Phillips does that thing. And by the way, Sean Phillips pencils, inks, colors, his own work. 
um, the it, it would be really easy to confuse who the characters are, but the protagonist in this story uh, is always wearing a red shirt in his uh, uh, you know memories of, of the old west, and so I, I mean he almost looks like sort of a you know a a rawhide kid sort of you know flamboyant sort of look. But he's not. But you, you're always able to pick him out and what's going on. And so it's a, it's a really strong visual statement. Uh, it, this, this movie, uh, this movie, this comic scratched me right where I itched from beginning to end. Well, and the fact that you just called book. it a movie is indicative uh-huh. of what I liked about it. I mean, yeah. I watched this. I mean, I watched. I, 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 <laughs> I, like, because it, 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 you know, it is such a visually interesting cinematically told book it does feel like you're watching a movie like you 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 know you're trying to cast this in your head and you almost hear voices in your head because it's it's so and you know we'll see what wayne thinks but this is straight up a movie to me um it feels like it there is you know i mentioned that the element of you know Nazi Germany and fascism in the book, race becomes very important. And one of the things that I was very interested in, um, when you meet the main character, you know, in his home, not when you meet him, but when you see him in his home, there is a Hispanic woman in his home. I'm curious how many of us just assumed she was the cleaning lady and you find out that's his wife. Yeah. You know, and I used to be the cleaning lady. Yeah, and, and I'm just like, oh man. I mean, that's that's that. I feel like that was aimed at us, right? Mm-hmm. That you know, that you know, ni- 1930s white guy can't be involved with uh, you know a Hispanic woman. I would point out, I in my defense, you know, white guy defending himself. Uh, <laughs> in my defense, she is much younger than him. <laughs> but well, uh, I, in fairness, her backstory: she was the cleaning lady. Right, the truth. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, uh, no, I didn't think that even slight, even for a second. Did, uh, so going into this book, I had no idea what it was about. And so the very first thing you see, one of the first things you see is like 1939. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's a Western. Yeah. So I was really confused at first. And then you come to find out one of the things that I ended up loving about this book, the main character is a writer. Mm-hmm. And he is writing for the pulp, you know, books that come out, the pulp series about a character that is the, uh, or is it the Red River Kid, who's always wearing red, and you know, you come to find out that that is his himself. He's telling actual stories about himself in his younger days, and I didn't catch on to that at first either. Well, that's and- something that comes out later on in the book. And what I find interesting, you know, and and it, it it's it's thankfully they didn't keep that mystery until the end, right? They reveal that within the first half of the book. Um, but this is a reminder for me that the old West, you know, the Wild West, was really a only about thirty. 40 yeah. years before World War One, um, you know, like so yeah. much happened between what we visualize as the Wild West and no electric and riding horses. And then in uh-huh. the 1920s, you got New York City and Industrial Revolution and, and all that. And it's like, oh, that really like in this book, that's within the span of one dude's lifetime, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, well, and part of it is where you're at in the country. I mean, 
my dad grew up where not every house had electricity and that was in the 40s well there's a span of about 20 years from like 1890 to 1910 mm-hmm. that you know huge industrial leaps are made yeah huge you know in this country uh and you're right, Paul. I mean, it is it is really hard to reconcile, you know, in our modern eye, you know, the character in the 1930s versus the character in the 1890s. Uh, right. Like, I, it, like it wouldn't it didn't even click to me at mm-hmm. first that they would be the same guy because I'm like, oh, OK, he's writing about the old West and now he's in you know the 30s or uh, what, what, what year was it? Um, 1939. Yeah. But. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, it was only about 50 years apart, right? And he was yeah. a teenager, and now he's an old man. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah duh. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what really hit me for that was uh, Red Dead Redemption. When it came out, and I realized the years of the video game were in the were after 1900. Yeah. And they're still Western, because it really, it depended where you were in the country. Somewhere like New York, all of these industrial booms hit, and New York changed rapidly. But mm-hmm. the West... Not as quickly. It took a while for it to catch up. Well, I don't want to ruin the end of the book for anybody. No. Uh, but I will say that the action sequence in the last couple of pages is probably some of the best action I've seen in the comic book in a very long time. Uh, I, uh, I, I, I feel like this book was pitch perfect. I legit have, have no complaints, criticisms. Uh, this book was just pitch perfect from beginning to end. This book hits so many themes and messages. You have racism. You have creators having their work stolen from them. Right. You have a you know redemption of a dark past. You have Nazis, you know, right? I mean, <laughs> you have Nazis. You have the past coming back to haunt you. I mean, not just Nazis stealing from Nazis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, in one eighty-page book, you have so many different strong themes that any one of them could have been a theme for a regular book. And this effectively tackles all of them. Yeah. I mean, you've also got the theme of a man realizing that he's not as young as he used to be and, you know, health conditions that come along with age. And I said so many different things that it hit on Mm -hmm. that it just did so wonderfully. It's a great book. Yeah. So it highly, a- highly recommend Pulp. I will tell yeah. you, I'm going to look on Comixology and see what other Ed Brubaker, um, Sean Phillips stuff have come out in recent years. See if anything's on sale. You know, like yeah. a, a you know graphic novel, a collected edition. I never finished reading um, Fatal, which was their Lovecraftian book. Right. Um, and looking at it, it looks like all the books are 50% off. Um, yeah, Image is having a big sale on Comixology right now. Yeah. I don't know how long it lasts. So I'm, I'm, you know, I may hop back into Fatal because I, I remember starting that um, and never finishing it. Uh, yep. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah. It's it, it certainly um, reinvigorated for me this like desire to watch some crime drama and pulp and you know seediness and you know that leads into the the next book and the last book we're going to talk about this week, which is that Texas Blood issue two. And if you'll recall, you know, Paul and I expressed a great deal of concern about what how issue two was going to be handled, because issue one starts a story that won't be finished until the very end of this series. Um, And we loved the first issue. And our concern was, well, that means they've essentially got to tell a brand new issue one in their second issue. They're going to have to, you know, rebate the hook. 
in order to, uh, you know, carry on what they did so successfully in issue number one. They got to do that all over again. They got to reset the table. How many metaphors can I get in here? Uh, but I don't know about you, Paul. I was surprised they did it. They did. And it is a new, <laughs> you know, it is a new story, but still, you know, features um, the sheriff. Correct. From the first issue. So, you know, it's it's still got a, a tie. It's not like just a completely different, um, you know, story unrelated. Uh, yeah. and But it, it still is this, you know, it's this guy. And funny enough, it is. Uh, what I liked about it was the similarities to Pulp, because um, I read both in the same night, in that it is about a guy with a dark past who revisits it um, because, you know, of a tragedy or because something has happened in his life to force him to revisit the, you know, uh, his troubled past. And, um, you know, there's still quite a mystery involved between this guy and what his brother did. And, you know, he, he's basically become so unwelcome. Um, you know, in, where he, in the town where he's from, but he's you know revisiting it, and like no one wants him there. And so I'm very interested to see how this story unfolds because, like you said, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah. No, it it, it was a terrific story. Uh, a couple things. One, I don't think we're ever going to meet the sheriff's wife where she doesn't have curlers in her hair. <laughs> <laughs> because this is the second time we've seen her, right? And uh, curlers. Uh, <laughs> um. I was taken aback, you know, there as you're as you're getting into the story and they're introducing some new characters to you. Uh, the central character to this story is a writer, uh, and as as you're, as you know, the story is unfolding. You know, I'm like, God dang, this guy looks like a young Larry McMurtry, you know, who Texas novelist. And you get to the back of the book, and uh, he talks about his. Uh, inspirations you know for uh, jacob phillips talks about uh chris condon talks about his inspirations for the, for this book and he talks about larry mcmurtry's horseman pass by which was the book that the the paul newman movie hud was based on and i'm like god damn it <laughs> you know it's funny when you're when you are experiencing some of the same things that your that the writer and the artist have experienced you can see those influences because this this guy looks very much like a very young larry mcmurtry interesting well and that's you know so i actually gonna take a, a quick side note here um what i've liked about what i've liked about these last two issues is the little essays at the back i love yeah. essays at the back of a book not you mm -hmm. know I, I like bonus material that makes sense um you know in the context of the book but for some reason like these guys who take the time to write a short essay like Undiscovered Country or like Ed Brubaker did, um, you know, or had in the pages of, of his uh, comics. Um, so that when I say side note, for anyone who picked up Pulp in paper edition, I would be very curious to know if there is an essay Same. in the back of the book. Because I know that that used to be a thing, right? Like well, for when, Ed Brubaker books especially, yeah, right? Yeah, for Brubaker, yeah. right? He would have the essay in the back of the print edition, but not the digital edition. Um, so for anyone who has picked up Pulp, please, you know, leave us a comment, um, you know, on our social media, IOM Geek, or uh, on the Ideology of Madness hotline that we're going to give out the number four here in a minute. Um, so just let us know, you know, is, is there a, an actual essay in the back of that book about, you know, what inspired him in, in this book? Well, I big thumbs up for that Texas blood. I, uh, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. 
Agreed. 100%. Yeah. You know, good double feature. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, because that Texas Blood certainly feels like a you know a, a movie, a TV series you'd see on AMC or or something <laughs> like that. You know, um, so if you're if you're in the mood for some non superhero books, you know, and considering this is a very superhero podcast, um, the fact that we read two comics uh, that were had nothing to do with any of that um, and were from Image, yeah, and loved them both, uh, yeah, you know, definitely pick both of those up. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, hopping back into the superhero um, realm, we have the second part of the Joker War in the pages of Batman number 96. Uh, For those of you who are reading Death Metal, um, Legends of the Dark Knights, Dark Knights Death Metal comes out next week. This is the book that was originally going to have a Warren Ellis, um, you know, Bat Dinosaur book. story into it but uh, you know they they don't have that anymore but it does have stories by garth ennis scott snyder pete tomasi james tinian the fourth tony daniel francesco francavilla um just really an all-star cast of talent doing that book we also get the second issue of deceased dead planet let's see if anyone makes a smart decision in that issue um we also have the newest issue of strange adventures strange adventures issue four from tom king mitch jarrett's and doc shaner uh, from Marvel Comics, we have the fourth issue of Marvel's uh, worst crossover ever, Empire Issue 4. Comes out what, next week. And for Wayne, there is a Transformers My Little Pony crossover from IDW. <laughs> that'll, be the, that'll be the crossover I skip. <laughs> it's called Friendship in Disguise. Um, oh, no. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, if I were going to comic book stores, I would pick that up for my niece. Because she used to like Transformers toys, and she loves My Little Pony. But no, no, just no, that hurts. <laughs> well, uh, two books that I have an interest in. Uh, one, from Dark Horse Comics, they are doing uh, Alien, the original screenplay, which is an adaptation of the original 1976 screenplay um, by Dan O'Bannon uh, of the movie Alien, and I got to be honest, I didn't realize there was much difference between the screenplay and the movie. So, I'm, you know, I'll take a look at the preview art and see if there's anything uh, worth, in, you know, checking out there. But I, I'm, I'm going to check out the preview and see if it's worth picking up. And two, is anybody here still reading Undiscovered Country? Yeah. You are? Yeah. Okay. Issue seven comes out. I feel like I'm behind on the book, but maybe it was just Corona delays and I just haven't missed anything. I should say that I don't think I've read issue six. I think that it's sitting in my uh, in my folder. It just feels like uh, it's been months, but it, that's probably because it's been months. It, it's been months, yeah. <laughs> there has been one issue since they started printing comics again. Okay. So you may be behind an issue. Okay. Yeah, I might I, I might need to get caught up. This is the uh, the second arc, Unity Part One, um, starts next week. So I, you know, I'm, I'm I really did enjoy. Uh, the, actually, come to think of it, looking, I'm looking at my comicsology. It looks like I haven't read issue five or six, um, so I am behind. But I'll get caught up in time for next week. Well, we didn't talk about it this week, but uh, Joe Hill's plunge continues to be creepy, fantastic. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk about sure it when the, con- when the when it concludes next issue. Exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, we'd love to hear what you think about this week's books or tell us what you're what you're watching in the pandemic. Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable 
ideology of madness surprise and like i mentioned earlier you can hit us up on social media iom geek on facebook instagram and twitter all right guys good week good talk we'll do it all again next week catch you then podcast theme music graciously provided by mark andrew pope for more information visit markandrewpope.com funny books with aaron and polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com no spider-man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast